when you think about applying for a practice loan, do you think about speed and simplicity? Likely not. For many veterinarians, applying for business loans can be a long and fatiguing process. Luckily, the sponsor of the podcast, Provide Inc., has changed all that. Provide is a specialty lender to the veterinary industry. They're the only, and I mean only, fully online and digital lender in the veterinary space, which makes life easy. You know I go on and on, and I'm so pro-practice ownership. I cannot be happier to have Provide be a sponsor. Whether you're in Maine or California, Provide can help. They aren't going to require you to open your savings account or jump through some hoops to get some sort of relationship discount on your loan. They're simply just going to say, here's our rate, this is the process, and we're going to do a good job. Provide uses innovative software and technology coupled with excellent service and an industry experience to deliver something that's just more efficient. Even on very complicated transactions, Provide can make a decision on whether they're going to lend in a mere five to seven business days. As we all know, time is money and having those answers quickly matters. Provide offers financing for practice acquisitions, buy-ins or buy-outs, commercial real estate, refinancing, uh, practice remodels, all that stuff. Anything that you have around financing for your veterinary clinic and your business, they can help you with. So when you think about it, you can pre-qualify in minutes with no effect in your credit score. That's a benefit as well. For more information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com, scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see a hyperlink under the Provide bio. That'll get you directly to where you can pre-qualify. You can do it on your couch. You can do it in 10 minutes or less. And if you do want to reach out directly to them, please let them know that I sent you. They'll take great care of you and they will be alongside you for one of the biggest purchases of your life and do a great job at it. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Welcome to another solo radio show. For those looking for a guest, I am so sorry. We had a last minute cancellation due to a COVID situation, which is pretty normal, I would feel like, in life in 2021, 2020. So what I wanted to do instead was actually record the episode I was planning to do prior to the whole GameStop fiasco and, and the episode that I recorded there. And what I wanted to do was talk around exit planning and practice transitions, as you know that I am such a big proponent and advocate for practice ownership. Now, if you're not ever remotely interested in practice ownership, feel free, stop, skip this episode because there's plenty of other great podcasts to listen to and I don't want to waste your time because it's going to be very heavy and focused in that. If you're a younger owner, potential future owner, I think there's going to be some nuggets of wisdom to be shared. If you're an existing practice owner, I'm talking directly to you and hopefully this information is extremely valuable. So we're living in the golden age of veterinary medicine. Oliver Goudet, which hopefully you can hear the uh, French accent there to uh, get his last name right. The CEO of JB Holdings, which is the owner of NVA and Compassion First, I think said it best. We're in the first 10 years of an industry that's going to keep growing for the next 50. He sees the growth in veterinary medicine the same way that AVMA shows it year after year and the demand for veterinary medicine is there. And that's why we're seeing an influx of interest outside of veterinary medicine and you're seeing practice valuations move higher quickly. I recently went through a, a designation program to become a certified exit planning advisor or SEPA. While the program was fantastic, it was actually structured for probably slightly bigger business sales. Um, although there are a handful of veterinary practices, especially those multi-location, bigger privately held practices that would fit into kind of the dollar amount that this program's designed for, uh, I think it be, can be brought to any practice sale and into veterinary medicine throughout to make exit planning better because I think it's sorely lacking with what's out there today. And so that's what I want to talk about. 
first, you shouldn't just decide, hey, it's time to hang it up. I'm going to sell. I'm going to hire a, a practice broker, transition specialist, um, insert whatever name you need to be there, talk to your CPA, and try to be done in 12 months. You're likely leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, if not more. And candidly, you might not be able to retire with, with what the current valuation of your practice is. Just like diagnosing why a pet is sick, there needs to be a process and steps followed to ensure nothing's missed. So what should the process look like? First, in a perfect world, when you buy your business, you buy your practice, you know how you're going to exit or you're thinking about how you're going to exit. I don't care if you're 35 or 55, you need to understand how you're going to exit and what are your options. I'll cite a number of different figures throughout, and this is actually coming from a business ownership readiness study that was done. And while it's not indicative and done strictly with veterinary medicine, I'm pretty confident the numbers that I'm going to share are not the same, if not probably worse. Two-thirds of owners don't know all their options when selling. That's a problem. And there are more than one way to exit a practice, whether you're selling to corporate or uh, a private you know, owner. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can transition a business. 80% of owners don't have any plan to exit or anything written down. 50% have done absolutely nothing as far as planning. Do you know the value of your practice today? 80 to 90% of probably your, your overall net worth is tied into the current practice today. And odds are you, you don't know the actual value of it, which is a problem. It's like a worker that has a 401k and they decide to retire and they never opened up their 401k account to see how much is in it to see if they actually can retire. They're just kind of hoping there's enough money in there. They know they've saved and they, they think the market did okay, but they're not sure. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster as far as trying to then be ready to sell. So there's really four key elements to your practice. There's the human customer structural or process, and then the social element. So the, the human is your team, right? It's can the business run without you? Do you have the associates in place? Can they do the work? Is your team fully equipped and trained? Customer, fairly easy. This is who comes to the clinic or hospital. Are you high volume, high touch, specialty or bread and butter, structure or processes? Does everyone know the flow? Do all the doctors work cases up the same? Are the experiences of clients differing depending on who they see? What's the standard of care? Is your process in your head or in a software system? How efficient are you? What's written down? What's documented? Social, what's the brand experience that you have in the community? Are you seen as the place to take a pet? What are your views looking like? What's your growth? What's social media look like? So what's the process to walk through to have a better exit? So there's three different key gates or steps. The first is discover. So understand the practice valuation and your personal financial situation. Discuss it and understand what you need to do from an action plan to then go forward. So what are the areas that maybe are lacking and what do you need to fix? Prepare. Understand the challenges and hurdles and address those both personally and professionally. Start by de-risking. You always want to start with what are the, the key like potholes that can really, you know, spell out disaster. Examples being personally, maybe you've never done estate planning and you need to get that stuff done. So you work with an attorney and get that in place. On the professional side, maybe it's your HR is really out of whack and you need to get up to par and you need to have up-to-date employment agreements with the team. Then you can move into the fun things, which is like building. So looking for growth, harvest and manage. So like just going through the process of getting into the business and really talking about the strategy behind what's there. Build systems to keep the changes that you made permanent and lasting by creating a master plan to move forward. And then understand when and how you can exit. 
then you can decide grow or exit. Typically, most people are just getting to the point where they say, I'm ready to sell. They go hire someone and then it's just, it is what it is. That would be kind of this decide, which is the last gate or last step. So when you get to decide, you think about, do I want to grow or exit? Every quarter, six months, year, whatever you feel comfortable with, decide, do I want to keep doing this or would I prefer to exit? If an unsolicited offer comes in, you'll know if it's up to snuff. You know what your practice is worth. You know what you need personally to net on the sale to live the lifestyle you want. Lastly, good exit planning is really just good business strategy. If you want to boil everything I just said down, it is just having a really good business strategy is going to make your business more valuable. It's going to make the practice worth more to someone that's coming and looking at it. Again, whether that's private or a consolidator. Exit planning is present tense. It's continual. It does not end until you actually sell. So you're never done. Think of it like laundry. You can think you're done. And as soon as you get done, there's always going to be more out there that you need to go get. You'll rarely be able to perfectly time a transition. But, but, but right now, if you are personally ready and your practice is in a good place, it's pretty darn perfect to sell. The three transition timing elements are a personal timeline, a business life cycle, and private capital markets. So let's start with personal timeline. Usually you want to retire when you are done, but you might want to allow yourself some extra gas in the tank so that the practice is not on the down slot, downhill slide as you get ready to sell because you might need to stay a couple years, especially if you sell to a corporate consolidator to hit some of the metrics for the back half of that deal. Case in point, typically you'll get 75% up front, 25% to hold back. They are going to pay you that if you hit X, Y, and Z. So you can be leaving a lot of money on the table if you really just cannot continue to work. Data shows once you hit about the age 60, the, the desire to bust it and really work is, is gone. At 60, that seems to be when people just really are not as motivated to, to come in and work. That's not everyone. I know plenty of people. My mentor, first job out of college, um, at 63, had the most energy of anyone I've ever met. So that would not hold true for him. But that's just kind of what the data shows. Business life cycle. Where are you from a practice performance and team dynamic? You want to have your A players on the bus. You want to keep moving forward. Do you have major gaps that you need to fill? I know it's especially hard right now to try to find and retain talent. Everyone's looking for the same associates, it seems like, for growth and to be able to do different things. But where are you at in your business in the life cycle? Private capital market timing. This is red hot at the moment. Veterinary medicine is extremely desirable. During the SEPA training, I was fortunate enough to listen to one of the private equity speakers. He mentioned, and they, by the way, they do not purchase veterinary practices, but this is pretty common across all private equity, so I think it's important to talk about. He mentioned that him and his peers are all flooded, his term, not mine, with cash right now. This is driven by cheap debt, and this is only increasing the prices that they'll pay for businesses. Part of the reason why they're, they're flooded with cash is there's so many institutions, endowments, other places that think private equity is going to save them as far as hitting the returns that they need to hit because the private or sorry the public market so stocks and bonds are just not enough to get to the targets that they need to hit for their funding this means that private equity is much much greater um, to pay a higher price to you the owner operator which is a great thing so to you this is again why i said it's a great time to sell i also thought his description of private equity was spot on he called himself a home flipper he said that they look to buy something that has good bones, fix it up and flip it or sell it to someone else at a higher price. I think that's a great analogy because especially when you look in the world of veterinary medicine right now, 
Private equity is usually not long-term capital. There are some that will hold for a longer period, but a lot of times behind the scenes, they may be buying each other out or selling to, to from one private equity firm to another, and that's just really the way it works. So you might be thinking, what are the valuations and what does it look like today? First, I'm going to tell you I'm not the certified valuation expert, but I have seen deals and understand what's being asked for practices in the market. If you're looking for a valuation and, and want to better understand kind of what that looks like, check out my conversation episode 59 with Carson Taylor from Vet Value. I'd highly recommend if you're looking to understand how to sell or what the value is, connect with Carson. He's extremely sharp. You'll hear it in episode 59, but I think he is doing a lot of good stuff in the space. Value is normally going to be calculated fairly simply. At the end of the day, it looks something like this. It's EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, which I can never say that last one right. Uh, and, and that's usually what they call recasted or refigured by the buyer. So if you think about a corporate consolidator, they're going to look at your earnings, so the EBITDA, and they're going to strip out or recast it to what the expenses would actually be if they were the owner. And then they're going to start to calculate things from there. So they're going to look at what their profit would be, not what your profit is. Because a lot of times as an owner operator, you're going to run more private expenses through the practice to help manage your tax bill. They're not going to run it the same way. So they're going to look at how can they trim some things down and, and make it look more profitable for themselves. So you take your, your EBITDA plus your sales and revenue times the market multiple. So what kind of adder to your revenue and sales, that equals your value. Now this may sound easy, but again, there's always nuance to everything, but that's really kind of the key calculation when people are looking at how to value a business. The market multiple is a favorite topic to talk about. It depends who you talk to. It's kind of all over the place. I want to suggest this is kind of Isaiah's take on what I've seen and kind of using the, the framework in the suggestions from the SEPA training, which is you have a below average above average and best in class, because there's no one that is average. And I think you're trying to be like, oh, what's the average is tough. Above average, below average, and then you have best in class. So what's below average going for? Five to six times. So you would take those EBITDA plus your sales time the market multiple, and then you get your value. So you're going to have for that market multiple five to six times. Above average for a clinic, call it nine to 10 times. Best in class, 12 plus. And again, that's incredible. So the average business going through the, the SEPA training, the high end is usually seven to eight. So veterinary medicine is very, very um, impressive as far as the multiples that they're getting and what you're getting for, for clinics. That's why I said it's a, it's a great time to sell if you are in that space. I have heard of sales going up to 15 times, which is certainly a little crazy, but that's excellent for you, the seller, if it meets all your expectations. I think one of the key things to talk about here is who is the buyer? What are they doing? And are they a good partner as you sell that business? Someone could buy your practice for 10 times and be a great partner. And the deal structure is so much more advantageous versus someone that's offering you 12 times and is not a good partner and would do things that you're not going to like because you're going to have to stay and work for them for you know two or three years. So it's really important that I don't just gloss over, yep, look for the highest multiple. That's who you sell to. Really important to understand who is the buyer what are they going to do? What's their reputation and how do they run things? Because again, this is your baby. You've grown this, you've worked for it for a long time and you don't want to turn it over to someone that's not going to treat it with respect the same way that you would. So what do the multiples mean? So when you say multiples, what does that mean, Isaiah? And outside of hopefully a big payday for you, um, if you take one and you divide it by the multiple, you get a hurdle rate or kind of what the goal for that investment is going to be. So if I'm a private equity player and I am buying at a five multiple, I'm expecting a 20% return. 
If I buy it at 12 multiple, I'm expecting an 8.33% return. Now, these returns may sound good. Um, you might also say, whoa, this doesn't sound that great. But if you recall, private equity, and a lot of consolidators are private equity backed, private equity uses debt to increase those returns by using borrowed money. Typically, private equity is only going to put about 40% of their own capital in. They'll go and borrow the other money. And so that's how you can see these 20% returns or taking a 12 multiple at eight point, you know, an 8.33 return, use borrowed money in that leverage. And now all of a sudden they have high teens, low 20% return. They take out their fees. They pass it on to their investors. Everyone's happy. So that's how they're able to do it. And I think it's important to understand that as we start to look at and, and look into what the market is paying for different clinics today. So again, remember you have best in class, above average, no one is average, and then there's below average. I think that's a good way to think about it. So if we go back to the idea of discover, prepare, decide, there are three key gaps to understand through the process. These are things that you want answers to that will help you know when is the right time to sell. So what is the wealth gap? This is kind of where I would say a financial planner, wealth manager, financial advisor, you know, whatever term someone wants to call themselves, that's where they can really help, which is what's the wants that you have versus the needs and where are you today? So what do you have outside of the business saved? What do you need to sell the business for to get to where you're at? So that's kind of the wealth gap. Profit gap is what are your EBITDA? So again, the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Um, what is that today? versus what's the best in class. So kind of what is your profitability looking like versus your peers in the industry? And again, someone that's great at valuation work can understand and say, yep, this is kind of where the, the industry is at. This is where you are. Here's the difference. And then the value gap, which is what's your multiple today times your sales and compare that if you were best in class. So what does that look like? Good example, you could say, if I sold today, maybe I net $3 million for my practice. Fantastic. That's amazing. That's life-changing money. But if you were able to go through and make some tweaks, get a different multiple and improve the practice, maybe you get 4.5 million because that's the next tier. Maybe you're able to move from the below average to above average. Now that's a huge amount, 1.5 million for the exact same business. And you need to make tweaks. And yes, it's hard work. It's not easy, but that's what proper exit planning should be doing for you. That's the whole goal is to be able to make you more profitable, have a better business, but allow you to then take the biggest asset that you've worked for for a long time. And we all know how hard you work. You deserve to get the maximum amount for it. And the nice thing is if you improve your business and maybe you aren't selling yet, typically your income is going to increase as well. And that's a nice a little bump too. So maybe you can move your income up, you know, twenty-five dollars or $50,000 based on some of the things that you're doing on the profitability side, or you can pay your team more, or you can put more in retirement to help make up for that wealth gap. Like there's so many different things that that can do for you. Now, when you think about who do you need in your team, I'm not going to tell you that, Hey, it's Isaiah. Isaiah does all this stuff. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, right there. You need a lot of different professionals. You're going to need a CPA. You're going to need an attorney. You're going to need someone that's a broker transition advisor. Um, you're going to need a financial planner. And likely you might need a consultant that's going to help with like the efficiency and processes within the clinic or the hospital. And sometimes there might be other people involved too, depending on what's going on and depending on the deal. And yes, all these people cost money, 
but moving the value of your biggest asset is worth the cost. And every single professional should be able to meet with you and have a conversation and consult and ask good questions and talk to you and have experience. So I think it's key to ask them like, hey, have you ever helped someone like transition their business before? And they can give you a good idea of how they could add value and justify their costs. And they also should be working together as a group. So your CPA should talk to your advisor and your attorney and your transition special. Like all those people should be working together to make sure that the burden is off of you so you can focus on what you do best. So I can't go through everything with exit planning. And I know I went through a lot of different details here, but hopefully it's a good primer and something to get you thinking more and more about it. Um, one thing I wanted to share is what's the biggest deal killer? Maybe you're thinking about that. And it's often seller's cold feet. And you might be asking why? Well, it's just because they're unsure and proper planning allows for better confidence to say, you know what? I actually know that I can get this for the deal. I know what my taxes are going to be because I talked to my CPA. I talked with my attorney. I know how I'm going to structure it and how I can make sure my kids get this and you know, all this stuff. Like you're going to have the confidence of knowing these things are in place versus you work with one person, they can list your practice and you're not sure how much you need. That's not a good experience. Also, sometime during any exit plan, you're going to hear harsh truths. You might be told, hey, your baby, which is the, the practice, is ugly. It needs to be prettied up. That's normal. No business is perfect. And you might need to adjust your expectations. Someone like myself might say, your lifestyle is not sustainable at the rate that you're going. So what can we do to change that? How can we make adjustments? What do we need to do? Because your valuation is not going to be the same that your friend got for their practice. They might be best in class. And that is so hard to get best in class. I, I talk about, oh yeah, best in class at 12 multiple. That's really hard to do. Best in class is a select view. So above average is, is where you want to be. Um, obviously best in class is, is ideal, but it's hard to get there. So just because someone else got the same multiple does not mean you are. And also the personal side cannot be ignored. What are you going to do when you're done? When you aren't actively, you know, Dr. So-and-so in your community and you're working all the time. You need to understand who you're, who you are, what's your identity outside of, of being a veterinarian outside of practice. Remember this as we close, the whole growth of veterinary medicine doesn't happen without you, the veterinarian, whether you're young or more experienced, you are the engine that makes it happen. You're valuable and appreciated, even if though it might not feel that way, your communities are better because of the work that you do. So thank you for doing what you do. And let me know what you think of this episode. If you would like more content around this topic and maybe diving in deeper to one specific thing, um, I'd love to do it and bring on people that can hopefully get into the weeds a little bit more. But um, I hope it's helpful and gives you some food for thought. Till next time, take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. 
I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.